Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of ESG Climate and Money Show. Today, we have a very special guest. He can be described in many different ways, but let's uh, say he have 360 degree experience of ESG and he's very motivated to talk about the engagement aspect of the ESG part, but also he have many other aspects, but I wouldn't uh, take too long. And I will just say, uh, thank you, Navar, for taking time to come in the show. And now can you please introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, Sunny, and thank you for this uh, kind of introduction. Um, uh, I mean, just to, to echo your point, I'm certainly very passionate about the ESG place, uh, uh, space, and very passionate about engagement. Um, um, I've been an investor for a long time, and, and, and I actually regret that I've not uh, focused my investment career from the get-go on ESG. This is something that came to me gradually. Um, uh, my investment career initially focused on shareholder activism. I would say in the in the, in the um, traditional sense, where you focus on corporate strategy and like liking value in that way, ultimately it expanded into corporate governance, and then I started engaging on the E and the S side, and and decided to dedicate my my uh, uh, investment career to ESG integration and ESG engagement. And uh, I'm very glad and uh, that I'm with you here today, and hopefully we can have a good conversation about the challenges and the opportunities in the space. Uh, thank you, Navar. This was a very kind of you that uh, you participated here again. Thank you. Um, the thing is, no, uh, let's discuss about the challenges part, because this is kind of a question I normally ask almost to all the guests in uh, on this podcast. And that is, what do you think? What are the challenges today for the ESG industry? What is holding it really back? Uh, I will explain it a little bit more. Um, like, for example, people say uh, in this engagement space, it is really just uh, that uh, red pill, which can really solve everything. The big funds, the big uh, sovereign funds are even coming out and saying, oh, we engaged with 3,000 companies, 6,000 companies. We did that. We did that. There are initiatives out there and people are in kind of engaging with the energy companies. And then next day we hear, uh, we get a paper from somewhere and they say, it's not working out. You are also one of those people who are saying it's not working out. What do you think? What are really the challenges um, uh, apart from also the engagement space? Um, well, I mean, that's an important question and, and, and um, it's a hard question to answer because there are many challenges, um, but let me start with just a broad picture on ESG and what's the challenge. Uh, the biggest challenge in the ESG space today, as I see it, in my opinion, the biggest challenge in ESG is that there continue, continues to be uh, a level of tension between the fiduciary responsibility of financial institutions to generate financial returns and their desire to improve the sustainability performance of their portfolio companies. Um, now, despite the fact that there is a lot of empirical evidence that companies that have good uh, sustainability performance are more profitable, are more sustainable, 
we still struggle with um, capturing that performance and developing a set of metrics that I call interchangeable metrics that are both financial and sustainability metrics that can capture this performance and ultimately help integrating it in an investment or a trading strategy. There has been some efforts, for example, SASB that focuses on financial materiality. It's a key effort to, uh, to kind of uh, link sustainability and, 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 and the financial side. But uh, the problem with SASB, it's a static uh, approach to sustainability. And sustainability topics and ESG topics are increasingly um, being looked at as dynamic in nature. Uh, what is important for a given company in a given industry at a certain point in time will likely change over time, and that is not easily captured in a standard framework. Uh, so that adds the level of, uh, of, of complexity. And the other complexity, we often talk about double materiality uh, in terms of how sustainability impacts the company, but how the company impacts society. Uh, that's a further complication uh, because um, sustainability issues are not a mirror image of each other externally and internally. Um, and so that adds to, that renders the challenge yet more, more complicated. Now, having said that, there are some great, great minds and great people working on solving these challenges. So I'm confident we'll ultimately overcome them, but we have to be aware of them in order to, uh, to address them properly. So that's on the broader side. I don't know if you want me to jump on the engagement side or if you have any follow-up on that particular uh, topic. Uh, I, I see that, uh, of course, uh, also watching your LinkedIn feed quite often, I see it's also you, you debate on these topics quite a lot. And, and you're very passionate, of course, uh, especially for the investor engagement side of the things and what, are, what is the solution. But what, what do you think? The, the, uh, you, you were in, in one of your article recently, you were talking about also shadow engagement you, in quite a detail. I have read that, but for those people who haven't read, or do, what is this concept of shadow engagement and what do you think about the overall future of engagement? Even, even you can take into account these things like software, people are building the software where you can track the activity of engagement. Do you see any future in that? Uh, that's my overall uh, umbrella term question in a way. Uh, no, I mean, sure. I, I think that's uh, obviously uh, that's an important topic and, and you correctly stated it. It's something I've been focusing on for a long time. I, I, I'm a deep believer that responsible capital has a critical role to play in improving the sustainability performance, not just of companies, but of sectors and of the economy overall. And, and directionally, uh, the industry is increasingly focusing on engagement. The problem uh, we, we have is that we actually don't have proper tools to engage with companies. Um, and engagement is, a, is, is often a fluid and a misunderstood concept in the mind of many of the, uh, of the institutions that uh, practice it. Um, and, and, and this is, by the way, this is supported by data. If you look at, at uh, an important piece of research that was published in 2020 by the European Governance Institute, um, they basically find out that 25% of corporate engagements are successful or, or institutional engagements are successful. That, that's a very low success rate. If you look at the latest uh, CA100, the Climate Action 100 plus progress report for um, uh, for the performance of the companies that uh, these uh, these institutions are engaging with, and this is a this is a landmark 
venue to engage with companies. You have 60 or $70 trillion of assets standing behind this uh, initiative. They're engaging with 166 companies over the last four or five years. And what do you have? 0% of the companies they engage with have their CapEx aligned with net zero. 0%. And only 5% of them are partially aligned. And if you're not putting money into whatever you're doing around climate, then it will not, not be that effective. But it's not to discount the fact that governance is important and commitments are important and, 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 and thinking about it and, and changing culture, but ultimately got to put capital to turn your company into a sustainable company. And that, that, this is not happening. Um, so the reason I came with that concept, which I call uh, shadow board engagements, um, is one of the key problems I've, I've identified working in large financial institutions is what do you have a actually on the institutional side in terms of people managing these engagements. In most cases, you have junior level analysts looking at hundreds of companies and using um, uh, maybe data sources like MSCI or Sustainalytics to quickly try to understand what's wrong with a given company. They may put an hour or two hours into it, and then they will escalate their, their conclusion to the senior engager or their director who will talk to that company. The problem is you can't really understand corporate strategy in one hour or two hours by looking at a handful of metrics. Uh, a company has a dedicated board of directors uh, looking at its strategy. And on the other institutional side, you have somebody spend a couple of hours and trying to tell that company what to do. I don't think this is a, um, I mean, this is a tall order uh, to get hundreds of companies to improve from that sense. So what I suggest or what I propose is that uh, asset owners and asset managers should pool their resources resources and create what I would call shadow boards of directors that would engage with uh, companies at the same strategic level as the uh, people who are in charge of these companies. And you can engage with sectors as well, but these shadow boards are made of industry experts as well as senior engagement professionals who would engage from that standpoint uh, of, uh, of looking at the, at the industry uh, in, in, in far more depth compared to what we do today. Because one, one, one problem, Sunny, is that it's easy to tell a company to go from where it is today to become, for example, net zero aligned. But what does that mean from a business model standpoint? Do you still have a business model? How much value you're creating under that new model? How much of that value you're capturing? Uh, these questions are not being discussed nearly enough on the institutional side. And that's, that's why you end up with this logjam where uh, there's not enough progress. So that's one of the solutions I have. There are other solutions. I'm, I'm trying to put together a deck to, to, to make a few proposals for, for industry to move forward. On, on this issue. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So you, you think like normally I, even when you see the literature and all that, so they, there is a lot of blame to be given or to the asset managers, uh, like, oh, they are too quick and they, they don't have much time. One person is handling, let's say 30 different companies and, and how much can they really do and how, how much time do they really have to do that? And there was also one paper where they were talking about the critical, uh, like short of uh, uh, people to do this engagement activities and all that. But what your this approach is that you are saying that the investors, the they should really level up themselves and they should create the new initiatives to engage this is, this is what you are saying in a nutshell, basically, right? 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think actually what's happening uh, to companies uh, is, is, in my opinion, is, is unfair. Companies are getting bombarded by hundreds of requests uh, to address sustainability issues. Understandably so, they need to address these issues, but you have to engage with a company from an informed standpoint. Otherwise, you're creating a lot of noise, and you're not a, and you're not helping the company address uh, uh, its sustainability challenges. Investors need to invest first and foremost in in themselves. They need to build resources to understand the companies they are engaging with. And, uh, and, and once they formulate, uh, I would say, sensible strategies, then they need to go to these companies and ask for these strategies to be pursued. I mean, if I was on the corporate side, I would actually create a corporate uh, engagement mechanism where companies would engage with asset managers and asset owners to get their act together because they're not getting it right. And it's wasting a lot of time and resources on both sides. So we need to address that. And, um, and, and, and hopefully uh, we will, because this is a critical piece of this ESG revolution. Capital has a voice, capital has a role, but you need to deploy it in an intelligent manner and we're not doing it yet. Perfectly put, yeah. So it, it, this was really in, uh, insightful part of this, uh, mm -hmm. our discussion. But I will move to the next phase of this uh, today's episode. And that is, I have a question to you. And that is, uh, when you see uh, the ESG world on the surface level, uh, you, you see there is a lot of uh, greenwashing taking place at the same time. Uh, what is the proof of greenwashing? Well, there was some uh, new uh, report came uh, not so long ago and where they checked the uh, uh, 25 biggest corporations and then they check what are they really fulfilling their uh, emissions target. And what we saw, it's horrible, like 90% of them are actually not really going towards the right direction. I won't name anyone in this, but you understand. So this is the problem. and. Once you are, uh, know the, the, the challenges for many of the people who are uh, probably also the listeners of this podcast, uh, they come from very, uh, the, the, the background where they are really kind of looking, uh, looking the way that how can they really contribute uh, in a way towards the planet, lead a very meaningful life. They are sick of their uh, kind of their uh, corporate environment where they don't see those changes. What do you? What is your uh, advice for for this type of people? Uh, like, what should be the career aspirations if we cannot really change the things the way they are? Where people should head to? What is the solution? Uh, I mean, I, I I certainly don't want people to be discouraged. I don't want them to um, to to cease pursuing a sustainability career or an ESG career because they hear of greenwashing or inability of 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 us to of, that there's not enough progress. Uh, that that would certainly be a, a bigger disaster uh, compared to where we are now. Because in order for us to get to a sustainable economy, to get to this vision of <coughs> excuse me of sustainable capitalism. We need people, we need passionate people, but we also need informed people. We need people who, who have the talent to, um, to understand how to manage 
two disciplines at once. Uh, one of the challenges we have in this industry is that sustainability by its nature is interdisciplinary. So you have to understand many things at the same time. Uh, but you have often people who understand one side of the issue and not the other side of the issue. That happens within corporations, happen within asset managers, where you have groups within these entities that are very passionate about the sustainability transformation. And then you have the business uh, uh, side who, who is very passionate about their fiduciary responsibility to create return either for their shareholders or to pay pensions for their pensioners. And, and that's fine. I mean, these, this is why these institutions exist. The challenge is how do you get these two people to work together? Because the sustainability uh, crowd, let's call them, in, in that sense, they need to understand that companies have to be financially sustainable as well. They just can't be sustainable, period. Ultimately, they will fail. And if they will fail, we'll have no economy. And there's, there are social consequences that come with that. And the business crowd, if, we can, if I can use this term, obviously need to understand that there are externalities, which if they don't manage properly, they, they, they ultimately they will destroy their business. So both sides are ultimately leading uh, uh, or, or racing toward a failed model if they don't cooperate together. And for that to happen, uh, you need to have an open mind. You actually need to listen with your counterparty uh, or you need to listen to sit down with your colleague who may have a different opinion on you uh, from you, uh, either on the sustainability and business side and find out how to merge these two values together because they are mergeable. I mean, that's if you read my LinkedIn, Sonny, everything I write, I always take in consideration the two side of the spectrum because I do see this as an amazing opportunity. Forget about sustainability for its own sake. Let's put a, a, the greed hat on. The sustainability revolution is the biggest business opportunity I've seen in my career since the birth of the digital economy back in the 1990s. If you're not looking at it from that lens, if you are enduring that uh, sustainable transformation, then you're missing out. You're basically uh, 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 running uh, an analog business in a digital economy, uh, and you would have been uh, wiped out if, if you didn't uh, um, update your, your practice and adopted uh, uh, the, the, a digital approach to, to running and managing your business and competing in a digital world. That's the same with sustainability. It's a business problem. So you could be a business person who doesn't have to have the, 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 say the, the, the passion or the love for sustainability, but if you just manage it from that perspective, I think you will uh, reach a, an outcome. And I think once, that is, when that's, once this realization uh, is achieved, I think the world will flip into a sustainable model. So I don't want anybody to lose hope. I think the greenwashing we have now is good. And it's funny enough, uh, people you know, find it strange when I say it's good. And I think it's good for two reasons. The first reason is that greenwashing actually helped with regulation in the sense that if companies are all saying sustainability is great, we're doing this sustainability, they're actually giving the politicians more and more power to, to actually institutionalize sustainability, where ultimately they will have to do the real thing for real. So they don't understand. Uh, so you think it's a good thing that the, the regulations should be, become more stronger? Because I see in the ESG community is a big divide on this thing. So you are, which camp do you represent in that uh, debate? Tell me, please. You mean, oh, well, yes, yeah, so, okay, I, I'll get back to this regulation point, but just to, uh, uh, to add to the second one, why I think green the fact that we're talking about greenwashing is good, uh, I think it's good because you can't solve a problem unless you talk about it. 
the fact that we're talking about it, that mean people are aware of it and we are going to address it. I'm not worried that greenwashing is here to stay. Greenwashing is a temporary phenomena that we are going to wipe out uh, fundamentally from a business perspective and we're going to wipe out from a regulatory perspective. Now, regulation needs to get tougher. The problem with people who say regulation needs to, to get tougher, they don't understand how the sausage is made. Making regulation is a very complicated process. There are many parties, there are many uh, uh, um, differing groups and different interest group. And, and, and you have to kind of find a balance uh, to address all these things. Because if you are a politician, uh, your biggest worry is getting elected uh, the next day after you get elected. So you have to manage from that perspective. Now, people may say, well, you know, that's short-sighted. We need politicians to lead and be more aggressive. Yeah, yes, we do need them, but there's also a reality we have to contend with. So I do think uh, if I was a, a smart politician and I understand the corporate sector is playing the greenwashing game, I would just basically call them on it. I say, well, you're, you're talking about ESG and sustainability. I'm going to now create the regulation to make sure that this is real. And that's how we start uh, kind of using these greenwashing messages uh, to advance the political, uh, uh, potentially political prog program uh, that is real around sustainability. But it's, uh, it's, 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 I mean, that's the way it is. It's not, it's not a clean transformation. We're not going to, we're not going to go from a, uh, our current state of affairs to a sustainable state of affairs easily. There are interests that will push against it. We have to push back. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I'm confident we will win, but it will be, uh, for me, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah, this is really what you said in the last. It's, it's really beautiful. It is, uh, it is for the long haul. It's a long game. It's a marathon. And I completely agree. And I would like to reflect a little bit. You you probably also biggest fan of uh, reimagining capitalism by, by Rebecca Henderson and the way way these things are we have to really reimagine the whole game and this is really uh, of course the old we are saying bye bye to the old system and the new system will take place but before that there will be some uh, issues and we are going through that and i really agree with your um, overall, uh, I mean, this was really eye-opening the way you said, like greenwashing, it's actually a good thing at this point. So it, it, is, um, it is nice, but uh, we, we are running uh, out of time because we normally have uh, 20 to 25 minutes of episodes. Uh, I would love to keep speaking with you, uh, but maybe another time. Uh, but. Thank you very much for uh, appearing today on this episode. I'm so glad and I learned a lot and I hope other people who will listen to this episode will also learn a lot. Thank you very much, Navar. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sunny. It's been a pleasure and thank you for inviting me and uh, I, I, I wish you the best of luck with, with, with an amazing broadcast you're putting together and, uh, and, and hopefully uh, some people will find my contribution of value. Thank you. Thank you again, Navar.